Wasn't that a, a wonderful time of worship? Thanks, John. Uh, he's worked overtime uh, this weekend, uh, led us in a time yesterday with the Golden Youngies, and um, it was a good time there as well. So we're continuing in Matthew chapter 6, and uh, the theme has been for the Father's eyes only. If you haven't been with us, we've been going through the book of Matthew from chapter 5, the Beatitudes, and now we're in chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verse 1, and I'm going to preach Joey's sermon all over again. Now I've got you worried. Got you thinking. Matthew 6 and verse 1, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen of them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they will receive their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to be standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. And I will tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And going down to verse 16, And when you fast, do not look somber as some hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on oil, put oil on your head, and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So last week, two weeks ago, uh, Joey preached on this passage. Didn't do a good job, did he? I mean, I'm going to preach it again. Jokes, jokes. So he preached on hypocrisy in, in this portion of Scripture. And um, did you notice another theme over here in this passage of Scripture? Living for the Father's eyes only. We're looking at living for God's reward. Have you ever see, received an award or a reward for doing something good or for working hard? I'm sure we've all received a well-done somewhere along the way. What was your greatest reward that you received or well-done that you received? Can you remember? Can you remember how you felt at that time? I, I remember the first time, you know, I was, I was quite a, a sweet little boy and never got any rewards because I was so sweet. And then when my father <laughs> said well done to me, uh, you know, it was just like I'd won the jackpot. I felt like a million dollars. Isn't it amazing feeling to even have someone say, well, well done. We've come to the end of the year, and there have been many prize-giving ceremonies throughout South Africa 
and scholars and sportsmen and, and all sorts of other prizes have been given to people who've, who've um, reached the top uh, at, at their level. And uh, there are awards given to, to um, actors, to singers, to sportsmen across the globe, to people who have done am amazing things. Those are very prestigious events. And, and people clap and people uh, acclaim them and people look at television and, and admire them. I don't know if you're into any of the Grammys and, and all those things. I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I'm growing into it. But um, there is coming a time when Jesus will reward us for our Christ-like attitude, our Christ-like example, our Christ-like works, and it will be a million times better than any Grammy Award, any Baldor Award uh, that uh, anybody can receive across the globe. I I'm sure that you can uh, say amen in your heart, even if you're not saying amen openly. Um, we're perhaps not allowed to say amens in um, this church. No, we are, aren't we? Amen. I I'm looking forward to it. I hope I hope that you're looking forward to that reward ceremony that none other than the King of Glory is going to give for all the faithful saints, for all the faithful servants who have served Him along the years. And this, this time in glory is going to be given not to the superstars, it's not going to be given to the to the to the few, but it's going to get, be given to every single born-again believer who loves Jesus with a passion and who's not concerned about what people think of them, what people say about them, if they've been given allocades or, or not. Their prime focus is on honoring Jesus Christ, living for His reward. Is it right, first of all, then, to live for rewards? Is it right? Firstly, we need to just put something aside over here. We're not earning salvation here by living for rewards. The rewards that we're talking about is not the reward of salvation. We can never earn salvation. No amount of praying and coming to church or giving tithes and helping people will ever earn us our rewards. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 makes it very clear. It's, it's by faith that we're saved. It's by God's grace that we're saved. Not by works so that no one can boast, right? No one will be able to boast before God one day. The second thing is that it's only born-again believers who will receive rewards or well-dones one day. Why is it only believers? Because they're the ones that can please God, and only them, because they're the children of the Most High God. Now, we know that there are many people who do amazing things across the globe, there are many, many discoveries made. There, people have, have helped mankind uh, in, enormously. But if they're not born again, it's not pleasing to God and they won't receive the rewards. You say, whoa, that, that's a bit harsh. That's a bit harsh. Well, well, just think about it. Will they be in glory one day if they've lived like this? And they said, no, Jesus is not my Savior. I will not have him as king over my life. They will not even be in glory, let alone receive rewards. They will be in a place of pain and separation from an almighty God. Michael Eaton 
Well, let me let me say just before I read this quote from Michael Eaton. Some some let me re, re, uh, backtrack. Some Christians think that 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 it's that it's it's a very hard concept to think of working for rewards. I used to think like that. Like, why should I go for rewards? I'm going to be in heaven one day. That that's that's all we need, right? I mean, we're going to be with God. We're going to be secure in God's grace. You know, what's this rewards thing? I couldn't get my, my head around it. Isn't it a bit mercenary? And some people actually are, are offended by it. They, they're offended by it. But Michael Eaton correctly says it can never be wrong, never be wrong to live for God's rewards. Martin Lloyd-Jones agrees with this. He says concerns about rewards is legitimate and even encouraged by the New Testament. Scott McKnight writes, Jesus motivates his followers to do good things on the basis of rewards. Often he motivates us to do good things on the basis of rewards. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus focuses on three areas, and we Joey uh, touched on them last time two weeks ago, of praying, of fasting, and of giving for rewards. Why? Because it was the mainstay in Israel, it was the main focus of the Pharisees. Those were the three pillars. Those are the three important areas. But it's not restricted. Rewards is not just restricted to those three areas. Re- rewards are given for every area of our lives. God is concerned about every dimension of our, of our lives. That's why, why Jesus said, your thought life is so important. We can commit murder in our thoughts. We can commit adultery in, in our thoughts. Everything is open before God and everything is there for scrutiny. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 8 to 15 make this very clear. Verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 3 says, The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. Each will be rewarded according to his labor. Going down to verse 13 onwards, If his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. He will receive his reward. If it is burnt up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping the flames. So it talks about rewards. It talks about God scrutinizing our lives, seeing our motives, knowing every detail of our lives. And there are some who are going to be saved by the skin of their teeth. And that will be a tragic thing. If we're not living for rewards, we're not living to honor our Savior. You see, because living to please our King is at the very heart of this doctrine of rewards. In fact, it's at the very heart of living for Jesus. Living to please Jesus is, is the bottom line of being a Christian, right? Amen? And, and, and we're living to please Him because it's His idea after all. It's His teaching. This whole aspect of rewards and motivating us is to bring honor and glory to, to His name. I wonder what does... Christians are going to feel like one day who've shown contempt for the teaching of Jesus about rewards when they are rewardless and when others are, are receiving their well done, good and faithful servant. And this also applies to those who, who are Christians um, 
and, and who will just get there by the skin of their teeth, who, who are slack, um, who are not pushing after God with their whole heart, who view the church as some plaything, as in the kingdom of God as, as oh, well, it's, it's something that I've you know, just got to push on with and, and I'll get there eventually. And, and it's, it's, it's tough and it's hard work and it's, and it's rewardless and it's, um, why does God expect this from me? Bad attitudes and wrong motives will see no rewards. I was visiting in hospital this last week, and there was someone visiting the patient that I was visiting, a, a relative in uh, her early 30s. And uh, we were talking, and uh, as I was talking, I asked her if she was a believer, and she said, yes, no, she served the Lord for, for many years, and um, she, was, she was beaming. And she said, you know what, just, just recently, just like in the last six months, I've realized that, 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 that I'm very close to glory. It's like, wow, it's just around the corner. I'm going to see Jesus soon. And, and she, she was getting so excited. I thought she was going to launch into a preach. Nearly brought her the, here this morning. And, and, and she said, you know, I realized that I, I must give it my all. I don't want to go to Jesus empty-handed and stand before him empty-handed. There was a motivated 73-year-old. Man, it, it blessed my heart. Because I'm, I'm almost there myself, you know. I'm closer to glory than, than many of you here. You'll have to beat me to death with them when I'm 120, eh? Psalm 90 and verses 10 to 12, read it on your own. I want to paraphrase. Psalm 90 verse 10 to 12 talks about us living for 70 or 80 years. And, and, and a little further down it says, and, and they go so quickly. They do go so quickly. When you're a child, you think a year is like five years. Um, when you come to 35, 40, you think, whoa, I'm not going to live forever. I used to think that, but I'm not going to live forever. And when you get to my age, you think, wow, it's just around the corner. And further down it says, and because of this, we need to live circumspectly. Because of this, life is so short, it, it says in, in Psalm 90, verses 10 to 12. It's so short that we must live our best lives. We must live as best we can before God because we're going to appear before Him and we're going to be rewarded accordingly. Artie Kendall is spot on when he says, never forget the greater our reward, the greater His glory. The greater our reward, the greater His glory. Our crowned righteousness will be recognized by Him before all, God will not be jealous of our receiving glory then. What, how, how is our reward his, his glory? Well, everything that we have is from himself, right? The very breath that we breathe is from him. Our salvation is, is from him. You know, very often people think, oh, I've done God a favor, you know. I accepted Jesus as my savior. You're not, you're not doing God a favor. He created you. He drew you through his cords of love into his kingdom. He gave you an understanding to accept his salvation. And even accepting his salvation was impossible without his enablement. He's given gifts so that we can operate them, so that we can receive rewards one day. He's given us intellects. He's given us the ability to work. 
and to buy things. And everything that we have is from himself. And when we work for his glory and we present it to him, we're magnifying our Lord. We're glorifying him. Don't you want to glorify him on this, on this earth? And in glory one day, we're going to glorify him as well. Quite a thought. Next thing we see in Matthew chapter 6 is that God is watching us in order to reward us. He's watching us in order to reward us. Matthew 6 talks about this a couple of times. 6 verse 4, the Father sees what is done in secret and will reward you when you give. 6 and verse 6, the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you when you pray. 6 verse 18, the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you when you fast. I don't think we fully understand the greatness of the God that we serve. He's enormous. He's omnipresent. I don't think we sometimes can get our heads around that, that God can be in the furthest corners of the universe and he can be with every single person on on this earth. He sees and knows every single detail of the seven point something billion people. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're speaking. He knows what we're going to say even before we formulated it in our minds. He's omnipresent. He's with us all the time. He's always in our sight. We never have to call him to us. We never have to invite him. God, come and be present in our service. You need to say, God, manifest yourself. We come into the presence of God because he's omnipresent. We're not omnipresent. He knows what we're going to say. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes to whom we must give an account. Psalm 139 and verses 7 to 10, you know so well, Where can I turn and where can I run from you? If I go to the furthest points of the earth, if I go to the highest point in in the heavens, if I go to the depths of the earth, there you are. And you hem me around. There's no better way to live than to live with a conscious presence of an almighty God. We need to wake up every morning and, and, and say to ourselves, God is here. God is here. He's with me this morning. I might feel dreadful, but he's here. The God of glory who, who, who who's in the furthest parts of the universe is here. And he's here to meet with me. He's here to minister to me, and I'm here to minister to him. We might be blurry-eyed, and our hair might be standing on edge, and our, our, our breath might be foul, but he wants, to, he wants to meet with us. He doesn't want us to put on our suits or come to church and say, no, no, hang on, whoa, wait, wait until you come to church, then, then I'll meet with you. Man, did I meet with the Lord this morning? We can meet with him every morning, every morning. But we need to wake up and say to ourselves, God is here. God is here. And I need to respond to him. He's an almighty, holy, and loving God. And yet, he wants to visit with me. Maybe you don't feel the presence of God. Maybe you don't push into God because you don't feel he's, he's there. Doesn't depend on our feeling, does it? 
Because we know in our minds that he's there, we don't have to feel super spiritual to say, wow, I had a good time with God. God breaks into our hearts when we praise him, worship him, and adore him. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that if we were all to practice the presence of God, it would be revolutionary. I'm quite certain a revival will start at once. Because we'll not want to play act to people. We'll not want to placate people. We'll want to honor and live for him because he sees our hearts. He knows our hearts. My mom was orphaned at childbirth when her mom gave birth to her. She was brought up in an orphanage. She often told me how, and I wasn't a Christian at that time yet, and she wasn't a Christian, and she often told me how she spoke to her mom, and that brought her con uh, uh, confidence, that brought her peace. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying where she was at as a little child, without family, without friends, in an orphanage. She spoke to her mom. She was conscious of the presence of her mom somehow in her mind. And that brought a peace. I'm not saying that we must do that. We cannot speak to the dead. We, I'm not advocating communicating with the deceased. But I'm saying that it left an impression on me. And when, when we became Christians, we realized it's the presence of God that brings us peace. It's the presence of an almighty God that brings us stability. It's the presence of an almighty God being conscious of that presence which helps us through difficult times, which helps us to, to respond properly to people and to situations, to respond with a pure heart. It's being conscious of the living God. We're open to his gaze all the time. Matthew 6 forces us also to consider thirdly who we are living to please. Who are we living to please? Jesus says this about the Pharisees in Matthew 23 and verse 5. Everything they have done, they have done for men to see. <laughs> Isn't that sad and tragic? Everything that the Pharisees did was done for men to see. You see, the Pharisees were, were not concerned that God was all-seeing they were concerned and they were conscious that, that mankind was seeing. Their focus was not on what, what God is seeing, but their focus is what on man, man sees. And therefore they didn't get their reward. I wonder how many Christians have, have left churches or have pulled out of ministries because they've never been given recognition. They've never been given kudos. They've not been stroked. Not saying that it's wrong to thank people. I think it's right. We do that regularly. It's right. But I'm saying that if we live for that only and not for the praises of God, we will be disillusioned. We will give up. And there are many people who, who work for God and serve God. And they, we work with people, don't we, don't we, all the time? You know, to live above with the saints, we, we love that will be glory. To live below with the saints, we know that's another story. People cause problems. And if we're leading, and we're leading people, there's often friction. And a lot of people want to give up because of how people are responding to them. And ultimately, serving God. Ult ultimately, we are not serving people for his praise and for his glory. The great truth in 
Matthew chapter 6, is that if we are motivated solely for the praise of man, we will lose our reward. Whose well done are we looking for? Whose well done is more important to us? Is it God's well done or is it man's well done? We need to constantly grapple with that in our hearts. And, and for some of us, we need to make, make a, a decision to say, no, it's, it's God. It's God. Don't you think that receiving praise from God is worth waiting for in glory? And it's not just the well done. It's, it's, it's everything that goes with it. There are degrees of reward in heaven, according to the word. We can't go into it. Uh, various parables that Jesus, Jesus taught. And, and, and we'll be forever in glory, experiencing and enjoying those rewards if we were faithful to our Lord and we were faithful for waiting for his well done. I very seldom asked Elaine um, what she thought of my preach. Many, many years ago, I, uh, I preached uh, um, a really great sermon. I mean, really. I was, I was chuffed, chuffed with myself. And uh, it gave me confidence to go to Elaine and say, well, so what, what did you think? Oh, I shouldn't have asked. Wrong move. Wrong move. There I have a faithful wife. And she told me some, some home truths. Brought me down to size somewhat. Haven't asked her too often after that. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 27 verse 2 says, Let another praise you and not your own mouth. Someone else and not your own lips. Artie Kendall tells of a story of a time when he um, was um, preaching. He had preached, he'd been asked to preach to a big conference in the south of England, and uh, there were thousands of people, there were different preachers, and he had preached, and nobody said a thing to him afterwards. And he, he said he felt so deflated. He just sort of wanted to go around and, and ask, not, not even the organizers. He says the organizers said, oh, thanks for coming. This is the big Artie Kendall, you know, big preacher. I heard him preaching in, in, um, in Switzerland. Wow, what a sermon on forgiveness. Hundreds and hundreds of people came forward for ministry, but not one person. And he felt like going to the people and saying, was it a blessing? I hope it was a blessing. But he knew that it would be fishing, and he knew that, that, that he would lose his reward if he said that. So he just slunk away back to his home. If we have learned to develop an appetite for God's praise, we'll not be so concerned about man's praise. So what, 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 what are these rewards? And Are they only reserved for eternity? Well, mainly, yes. Mainly for eternity. But there are some rewards for here and now. And sometimes when, when we are focused on God and not concerned about what man Khan says, then when we do get, well done, that was great. It doesn't go to our heads. And, um, and really it's, it's God saying, well done to us through a human agency. In, in this portion of scripture that we read, he talks about, Jesus talks about going to your closet and praying, does he not? And he says, we will be rewarded. We will be rewarded. When we don't stand on the street corners like the Pharisees and, and, and pray these long prayers with these, this 
theological jargon and, 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 you know, like, whoa, you know, we could never pray like that for half an hour. Putting on a show. Jesus said, don't put on a show, just go to your closet each day. For those of us who, who are there and who have that spiritual discipline and who go to our Father, who, who love our, the presence of our God, we will be rewarded one day in glory for, for the faithfulness that we had to meet with the living God, to encounter the living God. There will be a great reward in glory, but there is also a reward now because we are rewarded with the presence of God, with the power of God, with the peace of God, with the joy of God. With the direction of God. Haven't you gone into a quiet time thinking you're feeling miserable? You wake up and then, when's the holiday coming? Or the weekend? And, and the presence of God just lifts you. Lifts you. And, and through the day, you, you carry the presence of God with you. You carry His peace and His purpose with you. I've heard so many people say, you know, when I haven't had a quiet time, things go wrong at work. It's not such a good day for me. And it's a reminder from the Lord that I need to push in to him. What was Paul's reward? Do you remember? What was his great reward? It was souls that he had led to Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 20. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown? That's, that's reward. A crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes. Is it not you, you who have left, led to Christ? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. Joy on earth and joy and, and um, congratulations in heaven. That's why Proverbs says that it's uh, the wise man leads people to salvation. The wise man goes after the lost. So when we consider this question of, of living to please to please God, who, what is the choice between? Is it between, it's a straightforward choice, isn't it not? Between pleasing God and pleasing man. Well, it, it looks like that on the surface when we look at uh, the Pharisees because they were pleasing men. But when we go a bit further into it, we realize that they were pleasing men. They're putting on a show for men. Why? Because for their own ego, for their own gratification, so that men could boost them. So ultimately, they were serving themselves. So the choice is between self and, and God. And so who do we serve? Do we serve God or ourselves, our own purposes? At first class, glance self um, sacrificing and, and godly living might, might seem wonderful on, on the outside. But deep down, God knows, are we doing it for ourselves or are we doing it for, for him, for his praise? God is the ultimate judge. And this is the crucial thing in this whole passage. And that's why Jesus teaches it, because we can lose our rewards in heaven one day if we don't examine our own hearts as God examines us on each of these calls. One way we can know that we're on track is when someone says, well done, and we're, we're quite surprised that they actually even said, well done. And when we don't see it as, as a big issue. 
we need to keep on asking ourselves, whose well done is more important? Is it God's or man's? The fourth thing, and very quickly and lastly, that emerges from this passage is Jesus' promise of rewards. It's definite. Chapter 6 and verse 4 will reward you. Verse 6 will reward you. He sees, will reward you. Verse 18 will reward you. Do you think he's, he's lying? Do you think he can deliver on his promise? You see, the promises of men are often hollow and shallow and worthless, but the promises of Jesus are never. We're, we're brought up to maybe wonder about promises. How often haven't parents promised things to their children and they've not delivered their time, their money, things that they said we'll do together. And, and, and just we as people, we, we promise each other things. Oh, we must get together sometime, you know. And sometimes we, we, we never get there. So in the, at the back of our minds, when we look at promises, we think, can we trust God? And we need to reverse that because we can. He will reward us. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58 uh, says, Nothing, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Isn't that a precious, precious verse in the word of God? When we think that nobody's looking and we're going through this hardship and this heartache and, and what is happening? Nothing is trans, transpiring here. God is looking. God will, will reward. It's so comforting. It's so strengthening. We're going through a tough time. Um, I went through a tough time in the last six months, and, and, and it was like the thought came to me, Jesus went through a tougher time than this. This is nothing compared to what Jesus went through. Man, this is purple. You know, it just rolled away. You know, it, it was a mountain at the time, and it became a molehill. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. His promises are true. One life to live. Lots of promises to look forward to. Are we looking forward to those? Trust that we are. Trust that we're living to please him. Trust that we're excited to be part of his kingdom because that's living to please, to please God. So let's do that. Let's just commit our hearts to him now in prayer. Our God, our Father, how we bless you that you've called us out of darkness and into your kingdom. How we bless you for Jesus, showing us what the Father is like. How we bless you that you've equipped us for, with everything that we need for a life of godliness and productivity. Thank you, Lord, that you, you, you expect us to respond to you. And we think of the parables uh, where they, they were given different talents. And the one man with one talent just hid his talent. And um, he was dealt with severely. Help us not to be like that man. Help us to be using whatever you've given to us and to be exercising it to the full. So thank you, Lord. Thank you that you see us to reward us. You see us to bless us. We thank you that you're our Father. We thank you that you love us with a passion. And uh, we're just amazed that, that uh, everything that you've given us, uh, that you reward us on and 
we, we really would not even expect to be rewarded. But that's your desire. That's your heart. Bless you, God. Maybe there's someone here today who's not received Christ as your Savior. And he's here to welcome you into his kingdom, into his family. And you need to respond to him. You need to accept Jesus as your Savior and as your King today. You don't want to be one of those who's excluded from, from heaven and excluded from the rewards of heaven. So receive him as your King today. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. So if God has spoken to you and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, please come and speak to Howard and myself. We'd love to pray with you. And don't forget there's some little booklets over here. If you made a commitment last Sunday and um, you'd like to just study some of the scriptures that will secure you in your faith, um, they're right here for you to enjoy. God bless.